but it's not a made-up story. It's a true story. I love history. How many people here love history? Tyler? Free. <laughs> no, no. You're a history major. You love history more than most of us. You decided to dedicate your life to history. Um, and I love the Civil War particularly. And so there's this one battle. I actually just read this just recently. And so James is like looking at me like, I'm going to challenge him on the story he's going to tell if it's valid. But I, I really think it is. But there's this one battle where, where Lee was advancing and he was winning a string of battles. Robert E. Lee, he was a general of the South. Okay, so for those of you who have no idea, okay, Lee, there was the North and the South, right? Do we know this? Right, there was the battle of the, okay, over slavery and other things too that we're not going to get into. Okay, all right. This was the winter of 1862. <laughs> this was, this was, the Civil War was done in America. There are other Civil Wars not in America. We won't go into those. But this was in December, and this is called the Battle of Fredericksburg. And so the South was at Fredericksburg, and the North, North was at, advancing. And the South gave up Fredericksburg and went to the high ground behind this wall. Okay? Now, back then, high ground really matters, and it still matters some. But they, the North was excited because they were like, oh, we got the town of Fredericksburg. Let's keep on going. So they started rushing, and the South stayed behind the wall and just picked them off. And there was like 8,000 soldiers from the North that fell like right before that wall. And it was December, so it was really cold. And night fell. And the sad thing was most of these soldiers were just injured, not killed. But they couldn't get out of the, you know, no man's land. And so all through the night they heard just this moaning and crying out of the soldiers. Both sides heard this, and it was, like, terrible. And in the morning, there was this guy named... Let me find him. For some reason, in, the mind, in my mind, he's called Raymond, but he's not Raymond. He's Richard. So <laughs> we could call him Raymond. It would be a lot cooler. But this guy named Richard... I don't even know his last name. Richard Rawling Kirkland. Okay, couldn't take it. So when, when Dom broke, he went to his commanding officer and said... I need to go out there and help those injured people. And this was a soldier on the south side. And he said, I can't take it any longer. And the commanding officer said, no, you can't do that. The, you'll, you'll be killed. It's not wise. You'll give up your life. And he's like, and he kept on persisting, saying, I got to do it. I got to do it. And finally he said, okay, you can do it. You're giving up your life. So he jumped over the wall, and the northern soldier started shooting at him. But they quickly realized what he was doing. And so he ran up to the first soldier, took off his coat, and covered him up because the guy was freezing. And then he took his canteen, and he started giving drinks to all these soldiers that were thirsty and dying. And he, over the course of the next hour and a half, he would go back to the water over the wall, fill up his canteen, run out, give water to the injured soldiers, go back, back and forth. And I just was blown away by this guy's desire to serve more than anything else. He was willing to give up his life. And I feel like that is incredible picture of what it looks to be a leader and a servant, right? The highest calling I think of a leader is to care and to serve, right? And, and say, okay, if I'm caring for these people, I'm serving these people, those people are going to want to follow me wherever. I bet you all those guys, all those soldiers in the field would have been willing to follow that guy anywhere after he risked his life to do this. And so something that I just feel like that's on my heart for this launch, as I just feel like God wants to remind us that every person who's choosing to do this I actually believe is a leader. 
and, and you probably are like, no, I'm not a leader. I was a really, really reluctant leader for a long time because I was a pastor's kid and everybody's like, you're a leader. And I was like, no, I'm not. You know, I don't, I'm afraid to get in front of people and I don't have anything to offer and all this stuff, you know, and, and I'm the third son, really. I mean, I felt like, no, I don't want to be a leader. But John Maxwell defines leadership as this. He says, leadership is influence. And if you influence people, you play a role of leadership. And that starts with your family. That moves on to your workplace. That moves into your relationships and your friendships and and the people that you interact with on a daily basis. You are influencing people. Therefore, you're a leader. And I believe that as we choose and say yes to God, as we move into this like, new season, for all of us, there is going to be this incredible opportunity to influence many, many more people than we could right now if we just kind of lived our lives. And I think that is exciting, but it's also challenging because there are, we can influence people positively or we can influence them negatively, right? If somebody who was brand new came into our new church and we were all just sitting around having a great time with each other and completely ignored that person, we would influence that person, but we would influence them in a negative way. And he'd say, those people don't care about me. They say they're Christians, but where's the love? Where's the servant heart? And I believe that with leadership comes responsibility. As we say yes to God, he puts a measure of responsibility on us to have the right heart to do the things that we're called to do. And so... Jesus said, if anyone among you desire to be great, you must be a servant. Jesus doesn't say you shouldn't pursue leadership or greatness. He just says you need to be like him when you lead. And I think that's going to be a foundation of what this new church is going to be about, is how can we most be like Jesus? Where can we show Jesus in the clearest, most precise way to every person that we come across? Right? And Chris, that's already happening in Christian's life right now. He's giving me pretty much daily texts of people he's interacting with, strangers, because Christian's also like incredible intro- extrovert too. And he's talking to people, but it's even happening to me. Like we're selling puppies. All of our puppies are sold, thank God, because I was really worried for a while. It was just to do Zans who were going to buy one of our puppies and we had six of them, right? And I was like, how are we going to sell five puppies? No one wants these dogs, although they were really cute. No one wants them, right? And even Tyler and Bree said they were going to buy one, but then they backed out but then they're back in, right? And so this one lady, and you guys probably all saw my beautiful sign I put out in front of my house. Yorkies for sale. Not even Yorkie puppies. It's like some like Yorkies for sale. It looks like a child did it. But just for my defense, I could not find a paintbrush anywhere. And I was getting desperate to do the sign. So I got a, a, a roller and I used the end of a roller. I dipped in the paint and painted that way, right? So it did, it, it looked like almost like a, a like a haunted house sign or something like that. Yorkie puppies for sale. But this lady saw it and she was from Northeast. And, and the other thing when you're selling puppies is that like, they're like, can we, can we come and see your puppy? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, I'm like 10 minutes away. I'm like, I'll be there. I'm, I want to sell these puppies. And so I met with this lady and she was like 65. And she had just spent the last year with her mom who was dying. And she spent like just a few weeks ago, her mom died and she was with her. And I could tell this woman just wanted to talk. And I did not want to just talk. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like I, I was like, 
I've left work to come and talk with you. You know, I just want you to see a puppy. Give me $200 a deposit and get out of here, right? But, but God, see, this is a thing. I had a chance to influence this woman. And so I, I just started letting her talk. And, and then, you know, the person who wants to talk, they often say like 10 minutes in, oh, I just need to stop and, I'm, you know, I'm wasting your time. And you want to say, yes, you are. Please leave. But what you say is, no, I keep on going. This is good. I've got time. That's fine. And she was just pouring her heart out. And she was, ta- she was Catholic. And she's talking about praying to some kind of saint. And we were talking about all this stuff. And, and then I talked about the mission trip to Belize that we were going on. I said, some, some of the money from the puppies is going to go to that. And she was like blown away by that. And she ended up giving me $25 to buy shoes for kids in Belize which I have no idea how to do that. I was like, I will take that. Thank you. You know, but like we spent like a good hour together, me and the 65 year old woman in our sunroom together, right? With puppies. (laughs) Believe me, there was no temptation, Valerie. No. Okay. All right. I mean, (laughs) on her part, that's right. Matthew twenty twenty eight says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. See, the value of life is measured in how much you give, not how much you accumulate. And I think we need to have that heart as we're heading into this church saying, where can we give? How can we give away what God's given to us? How can we bless people who don't think they deserve it, who aren't expecting it, Where is that opportunity? How can we be like Jesus? Um, Andy Stanley says this, your job is to empty your cup. So we all have a cup that's full and we can choose just to walk. And this is part of like Christian's teaching you gave a long time ago. We can choose just say, keep on filling up my cup, God, and just pours over and just pours over and it's just wasted. Or we can say, God, how can I empty my cup into the lives of the people around me? How can I influence people in any way possible? How am I pouring my cup? And he said, you're not responsible to fill everyone else's cup. Your responsibility is to empty your cup. And I think that's an incredible place to be as a servant because you're not looking around saying, who's, who's pouring out their cups? I'm here pouring out my cup, but no one else's. All you're responsible for is what you have been given. How can you serve the best? How can you influence the best? How can you show God not just, How can you show other people, God, are you pouring out? Are you emptying your cup? And see, that sounds really exciting, but when you're in kids' ministry and there's a bunch of kids running around and you're like, this is how I've chosen to empty out my cup, but it doesn't feel that good, right? Or like you sign up for the parking team and it's the dead of winter and people are driving by in their warm cars and you're sitting out there freezing and just waving to people as they're coming in. You're like, how is this doing any good? But you know what? You are serving. You are blessing. You're emptying out your cup. And I think for each one of us, your cup is different. What you pour into is going to be different. That's what's going to make this work. We can't just have a few incredible people who empty out their cups, right? Because we have a few people who are really, really good at that. We all know Sharon. How many people here know Sharon? right? Sharon is incredible because she serves. It's like natural to her. She's the opposite of most humans, right? We like Sharon doesn't like not serving. Like she feels 
distant from God when she's just receiving. Like we're like, we love to relax, and, but she needs to serve, right? And if we could all just be a little bit more like Sharon, seriously, it's amazing. Like, and, and I'm not, and I'm trying to embarrass her. One of the most powerful things that we can do and we can ask ourselves is how am I emptying out my cup? How, how are we doing that? And I think what's so great is being part of something new of saying, okay, we're, we're in this. What is it going to look like? We don't even know what it's going to look like, but we all have a chance to do it. And it's very practical in how we can do it. And I think that's really incredible. I think Nehemiah, who is one of the most incredible leaders in the Old Testament, demonstrates this servant heart, this leadership that I think that we all need. First of all, he put his life and his reputation online. You know, on the line. When he had, online. He started, yeah, it's incredible. It was like a Persian Tinder. It was amazing. It was in, I'm a history buff. We're talking about this. All right. By requesting a leave of absence from his job, for years and years and years to go and help his people who are so far away when he heard of this, of the, you know, Jerusalem being broken down. And so he was willing to put everything at risk in order to serve people he didn't even know. People who weren't even grateful for what he was doing at that point, right? He was also willing to let go of comfort and all of his needs being met right there in this really cushy job that he had, right? He never worried about eating, he never worried about, you know, how he was going to feed his kids tomorrow, the next day. I don't even know if he had kids. Don't get angry at me about that. I'm just taking a little bit of uh, freedom with it, right? And he traveled through the wilderness to go to a city that had been in ruins for 100 years. Now, one of my favorite things to do is to go into Fair Hill and go visit, like, different ruins. And those ruins aren't even, like, 100 years old, but they are ruined, and if God told me, Jonathan, I want you to go into Fair Hill and rebuild one of those ruins, I would not like that job, right? Sometimes God asks you to serve in a way that's not comfortable, that makes you feel frustrated, that makes you feel overwhelmed, and makes you feel like, how is this possible? How am I going to actually accomplish what you've called me to serve, what you've called me to do? And also, he encouraged and led the people of Jerusalem to rebuild the wall around their city in the face of constant opposition. Like the enemies around him were fighting. We're trying to tear down the work. Sometimes we're going to try to serve and we're going to find, first of all, the enemy resisting us. Second of all, people resisting us. Even the people we try to serve might not really appreciate what you're doing. That is going to be a pain. But then Jesus came as the ultimate example, and we know what he did, right? He came, and he healed, and he loved, and he reached out to the people who were the least of these, and he said, come to me, right? And he called people to be set free from sin, to be filled up with his spirit, with his life, so that they could just live a great, awesome life. No, he poured into them. He poured himself out into them, so then they could pour themselves out into others, So though they can keep on pouring, and that's what the church is all about. How are we pouring out the life that Jesus has poured into us? And the great thing about it is that wouldn't it be great if you feel like I have done what God's called me to do this week 
Now I'm stepping into church. And even at church, there are going to be people that you're going to pour into. But God will pour into you. Right? He will pour into what you have poured out. I think that's incredible. Andy, also, Andy Stanley also says, do for one what you wish you could do for all. And I think that's really powerful because I feel like for most of us, it's like, I can't do it for everybody, so I'm not going to do it for anybody. Right? If, I could, if I could solve all the world's problems right now, I would do that. But why would I, you know, I can't, so it's overwhelming, so I'm not going to worry about it. But if we had this idea that we're going to do for one what we, we wish we could do for everybody, the one person who walks through the doors of our church or the one person that we meet as we're out, you know, serving the community or going grocery shopping or whatever, what can we do for the one that we know God wants to do for everybody? It starts with saying, I care about the one. So if you're in kids ministry and there's that one kid who comes in, because this is a thing, when you have a church for unchurched people, you're going to have kids that are unchurched, kids that are going to be unruly, kids that are going to be frustrating, kids that aren't going to listen, kids that are going to drive you crazy. Believe me, I know about kids that drive you crazy because I've taught soccer shots for a few years, right? And there are kids. I remember a story when Chris, this is Christian's story, but he was at a school and the kids would just go crazy. And one time, like the kids ganged up on him and one kid reached up and pantsed him, pulled his pants all the way down, right? As he's trying to serve them and love them, right? Sometimes, and so for us, we're going to have to get past the, the annoyance of the, the present. Like this is an annoying situation, these kids right now. And think about how can I serve them best? How can I communicate and show them Jesus in the most effective way right now? How can I not lose my temper on everybody right now? Everybody's like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. That was was a joke. You know, Doug, I've never lost my temper on any of the kids in soccer shots, except for yours. So, and so I'm going to spend the last five minutes just talking about what a servant leader looks like, because I think that's what we're all going to do. And there's two questions I think we need to ask. Okay, the first question is this. What does a servant leader say to others? And so when Jesus was walking in Jericho, there's this blind beggar who comes up to him and cries out, son of David, you know, whatever. And Jesus stops him and says, what can I do for you? And I think that is a powerful example of what we can say to others as we step into new situations. How can I help? Because that is such a servant way to say, I'm here to serve. I'm not here to promote myself. I'm not here to exalt myself. I am here to help. And if we can do that as we get into places where maybe there are some people who are trying to build themselves up or find leadership in a way that's going to give them power, if we step into the place and say, how can I help? What can I do? If that's the question, the first question that comes to our hearts, we're going to change the world. Really. Like that is such a powerful, disarming statement. And so I I think there are going to be times when Christian is going to look like he's losing his mind and church doors are going to open up in 20 minutes and things are not set up and he's going to need to hear from 20 of us, how can I help? Right? And there are going to be times when we're going to do an outreach and it's going to seem disorganized or, you know what? There's going to be an outreach that no one wants to do, but for some reason God keeps on saying do it. And you're going to have to say, how can I help? Right? There are going to have to be times where we put aside our own personal desires and our preference and our comfort and say, how can I step into this place? 
You know, I mean, have you ever served somebody where you had a lot of other things you really wanted to do, but this was presented to you and you just, either you felt obligated to do it or because you, you, you knew that was the right thing to do, so you step into it. And then you find out when you step into it, as you begin to step into God's purposes for you, even if it's not the best thing in the world, you say that was worth doing compared to all the other things I had to do on my list, right? Because God is always gonna back up the servant. He's always going to fill us. And it's not going to always be everybody cheering you on and saying you're incredible and stories are written about you. But God will know and God will bless you as you step into that place. So that's something you can say to others. Now, a servant leader, this is what he says to himself. Jesus said this, when you have done everything commanded you, say to yourself, we are unprofitable servants. We have only done our duty. I think that is, the most, one of the most challenging statements as we pursue God. We're supposed to say, you know what? We don't need a lot of acclaim. We don't need people praising us, patting us on the back, saying you're incredible. We're, we're just servants. We're lowly servants doing what we'll be called to do. What's so incredible about that? Um, my brother, Josh, our oldest daughter is graduating, Karis, this year. And I, and I was talking to Josh, my oldest brother. And I said, what did you do for Jonah when he graduated? What did you get him? You know, because everybody's talking about getting him a big gift. And he's like, he's like, I got Jonah nothing. Because graduating high school was the bare minimum of what you're supposed to do as a human in America. And he's like, I got him nothing. I didn't say good job. You know, <laughs> I was like, really? But that's kind of, it's true. As we serve, I mean, Can you imagine if we're like, Jesus, look what I just did. I just washed someone's car. And Jesus is like, you want me to be like, make a huge deal about you when look what I did for humanity. And so that's not what you say to other people though. You don't say to other people, do your duty, right? You're just an unprofitable servant. You say that to yourself because our ego is gonna rise up. Our desire for promotion is gonna rise up. And I love this. We need to rebuke our pride, restrain our lust for recognition, and release love. That is what we're called to do when we serve, is rebuke our pride. See, when you serve, there's going to be a part of you that's going to want to get something out of it. You're going to want to feel like people are acknowledging it. You know what's really annoying right now is that my niece, Charlie, can't recognize the difference between me and my brother, Jason. Okay, and we just spent a lot of time with them a few weeks ago, and I spent alone time with Charlie, and Jason doesn't really play with her, but I played with her for like 45 minutes, and let me just tell you, she's at the place, she's two, she's adorable, but she loves imagination, and as an adult, it's exhausting to imagine anything, right? You lose that ability, and so we're playing baby, and and like all this stuff, and I'm putting her to bed, and she's waking up, and we played for half an hour, and my mom just told me today, because she just spent some time, she said, Charlie is insisting that she had a great time with Jason. And that makes me so mad. I was like, it's all for naught, right? I wasted that time, but it's not true, right? It doesn't matter how you get recognized. As long as you do what God's put before you, as long as you empty your cup, that's all God worries about. Who cares? Actually, when you empty your cup, you are not even responsible for what happens when you empty it out, right? 
We feel like we need to empty out the cup and then make the other people receive it and feel great about it and then give you a big hug back and say, you've changed my life forever. And that's not the way the world works. And Charlie does not know. I played it with her for 45 minutes. Jason has stolen my glory. See, we constantly, and this goes for all of us, we need to constantly talk to ourselves and say, where is your ego in this? Where is your pride? And sometimes we say, I don't want to serve because I don't want anyone to deal with that pride. And that's not right either because we're all called to serve as Jesus served. Right? So rebuke your pride, restrain your lust for recognition, and release your love. And this is the thing. This is really challenging. The immature person is often willing to work on a project, even sacrificially. But when the work is over, they expect and this is something that I really struggle with. Right, Rebecca? I mean, it's true. In the home, when I do something like she cleans all the time, and when I clean one thing, I'm like, like I nudge her over there, like, hey, take a look. Right? Yes. Yes, because if Rebecca doesn't acknowledge it, why did I do it? That's what I feel. Right? But I've got to rebuke my pride. I've got to restrain my lust for recognition. And I need to release love, right? I need to press into the heart of being a servant is not for the glory of Jonathan. It's for the glory of Jesus. And that's what this whole church is. As we choose to step into a place where we are going to influence hundreds of people, we need to say, we will be servant leaders. We will choose to do the hard thing. We will choose to do the uncomfortable thing, all for the sake of the glory of God. It's worth it. How are we emptying out our cup? That's going to be challenging when some of us have to wake up at 6 a.m. and go get a trailer and drive it into a school. You know, or when we do a, a community outreach that it feels like no one cares about that we're there. God cares. And that's what drives us. It's not the praise of man. It's not even the fruit of what happens in our labor, right? I mean, we could try this whole new church and, and, and really desire to see lots of people get saved and it might not happen. But I don't think that's a failure unless our hearts turn from God. Because what he sees right now is a bunch of people saying yes. And that gives him the greatest joy. When we say yes to God, when we say, I am yours, here I am, what can I do? And I'll do anything. You know, there was a season where Christian and I really said we'd do anything, and a few of us too, where we went to local businesses and just cleaned their bathrooms for them. Week after week. Eventually we felt like a cleaning service. Like, oh yeah, the guys are here, but go back. <laughs> hey, just remember Jesus loves you. <laughs> you know, after a while, it felt like we were being taken advantage of. But oh well, if the world's got to take advantage of our love, that then, then okay, right? It brings glory to God. So I think that is the area um, that's on my heart. And I, I know we have all these things about volunteering, but I just remember what you choose to do and how you serve is significant. Like, each one of us is significant. Each one of us is important, from the youngest to the oldest. We can make a difference. We can influence people in a way that's going to change their lives. Really. You know, and and that makes me excited. It's not like we have to be superheroes. We're not like the Apostle Paul. I mean, maybe we are, but it doesn't feel like it, right? We're not like Robbie Dawkins, who has all these incredible encounters with people and words and stuff like that. But we can certainly serve. And we can serve well. And so 
I know when I think about it, it like makes me uncomfortable because I don't love to serve. I like my own time. I like to be lazy. Like, honestly, like, and I even like to serve like on my own terms. Like, what do I like to serve? I want to do. And, and I know God doesn't just force you to do things that you don't like to do. And so we can talk about that later. But I know sometimes God calls us to serve in a way just to help us grow as people. And um, so I kind of want us just to take a moment. I'm going to pray for us. And let's just say yes to God. You know, first of all, God needs to fill our cups, right? And some of us are right now not, not pressing into God like we need to. And, and he, he wants it because he's not mad at us, but he just wants to fill us, right? So we have something significant to offer. And, and so, God, I just pray. Lord, we open our hearts to you right now, and we just pray that you would pour into us, God. God, we just say we need you. You know, like the song that we were singing, pour it out, let your love run over. Lord, we need more of your love. We need to reflect you more and more, God. God, we open our hearts up to receive your spirit now. God, if there are are things that are blocking our our hearts from from receiving all that you want to pour into us, Lord, Lord, wipe those things away now. Lord, take those things from us. Lord, if there are things in our lives, busyness, sin, you know, distraction, if there are things that are keeping us from receiving all that you want to pour into our lives, just take them away now, God. And Jesus, just just mold our hearts so that we will be the servant leaders that you've called us to be, Lord, so that we can be like you, Jesus, so that we can be like Nehemiah, who is willing to travel hundreds of miles to go and rebuild ruined city of people who don't even know him or care about him. God, shape our hearts so that we can be the servants that this world needs, Lord. Mark us by your love. Mark us by your passion. Thank you, Jesus. So let's just take a moment just to see if there's, if there's any area, you know, that God wants you to begin to, to empty your cup into. And it might be some of the areas that, that Christian has sent out. And it might be some other areas um, through this church or in other ways that God's calling you to empty out your cup, to pour it out. God, speak to us. And Lord, we begin to pray right now for the people that are, you're, you're going to send to us. Lord, wherever we gather, wherever we meet, the people that you begin to send to us, Lord, we pray we can do for them what you want to do for the world. Lord, that we could pour ourselves into them, that they could feel loved, they could feel known, they could feel appreciated. God, I pray that we could serve like like you. Lord, I pray that we could serve people who are different than us, who look different than us, who have different backgrounds than us. Lord, that we could serve them well, that we could take time to listen God, we just say we can't do this on our own. We are stubborn. We are ego-driven. We are prideful. We are lazy. We are busy. Lord, we don't have time to love like this. But Lord, you call us to it. So God, you have to change us. You have to shape us. And so God, we surrender our hearts to you. 
you know, one area I just feel like God is going to start opening up doors for us is to serve our neighbors, like literal neighbors, the people that we live close to. Like, how can we serve those people that we could see every day? So I got, I thank you so much that we can influence so many people. We just receive all that you want to do in our hearts. We bless you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, We have about five more minutes. So we're going to take about five to eight minutes, and we're going to pray for the new church, okay? And um, a couple things. This summer is really important. There's going to be some outreaches that we're going to do. And let's just pray that we do a really great job of getting the word out, of, of sharing to so many people the new church. Just pray for the outreaches to be really successful and creative and powerful. Um, soccer camp's coming up, so that's all an awesome one that's been established that has made a big impact. Um, and let's just pray a little bit longer for a charter, um, if that's definitely where we're supposed to be, that their hearts would change. And um, let's just begin to pray into the process. That, I mean, we have 15 weeks. We have a summer until it happens. Anything else? Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and also also we're going to be doing like a big giving campaign with the whole church for the launch. And so let's pray that God would just resource the heck out of this thing. Right, starting next week. So pray for finances, pray for um, all that stuff. So so let's do that. Like get, into your, get into a group of three or four or five or six or whatever, and um, we'll pray. Uh, Jay, if you get Janine, you put some music on. That'd be great. Something quiet.